For many years now, the principle of the wine moves my heart and I'm looking forward to you guys to discover those kinds of principles.
Hello, church. If I would ask you right now the question, who got saved? To a friend, to relatives, I would say probably 80% will say, yes, that's me. And you're sitting here right now because maybe your mom prayed for you, your father prayed for you, maybe your best friend prayed for you, some people prayed for you, maybe your grandmother prayed for you, and now all of a sudden you realize that Jesus Christ is the real deal and you got saved. And I want to close the preaching message about the parable of the wine with the question, how can we lead people to Jesus Christ? And the topic will be time to celebrate. Time to celebrate. About two and a half years ago, I, I told you already, when we moved into the Mark building, God spoke to me and the leadership team about the parable of the wine. He said, Leo, in the winter time, you cut a tree to three branches, to three brick branches. We cut it down to communities, to ministries, and celebrations. Cutting means always it hurts. It hurts. If God cuts things away in your life, it hurts. It's actually not so easy. But to all the years, it doesn't matter where we have been, in what kind of locations we had our celebrations, in all the 20 years, there were not one single Sunday where not at least one person got saved to Jesus Christ. We are a soul-winning church, and let's give God for that fact a huge, tremendous applause. We are a winning church, winning people for Christ. We, every Sunday, people getting saved to Jesus Christ. And I want to read you a Bible verse because we have a strong prayer team in our church, a strong intercessional team. Every Sunday morning, early in the morning, we have some people, they're walking around the building and they're asking God that when people entering this building, that you will have a touch with the presence of God. People got saved. People are healed. Jesus speaks directly. But there are people that are walking around. I always say to them, only walk around six times, never seven. Seven means the building will fall apart. But they're doing an amazing things behind the scenes. They're praying for us. They're praying for the leadership team. They're praying for the international church after the celebration. That's the face-to-face -face team. They're praying for people. And about one and a half years ago, the, the leader of the prayer team, she sent me a prophetic word for the church. And at that time, we had no building just a dream to build one day a building. And I want to read you a prophetic Bible verse, and now it makes a lot of sense for you and me. In Amos chapter 9, verse 30 to 15, was the prophetic verse for us as the leaders. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planters to buy one trading grapes. When I read this sentence, I said, yes, bigger, grower, faster, Count me in. That's an amazing sentence already. But it goes on. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. And it will bring my people Israel back from the exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel their own land, never again to be unrooted from the land I have given to them, says the Lord our God. Here were three promises for me as a leader in the text. First of all, you will grow bigger and faster than ever. Second, God will bring people back. They have run away from the church or from relationship to God. 
point number three. God will root us in a land that will be forever and ever and ever. If you're not here more than three years, you will say, what is this guy talking about? This is a nice hall. We moved from building to building to building. In 13 weeks, we will move into the Samsung hall. That means forever. We have not paid one single franc for the land, for the building. The investor groups of seven people, families from the church, they paid everything and the church has not paid one single dollar. I've never heard that story before. Usually the church pays everything and then everything and everything. This is an amazing story. What I mean by that building, this building means for me like a new beginning. For me like winter season is over. Spring in the vineyard is coming, growing, flourishing in all the directions. That means we will entering an amazing growth season where people got saved, people got healed. We will see amazing stories in our church. I got saved through a hard rock band. That's why I have always a leather jacket. I look like a rocking past because of my past. I am living in the generation X. I am from the generation X. Some people in our church, they're from the generation Y. You know we Y because it's the Y here. Maybe you are from the generation Z. There's also generation lost. I read yesterday, generation lost. Whatever generation you are, I wanted to say something to you. In every generation, God was able to bring people back to the heart of the Father God. It doesn't matter in which generation you are. Sometimes some people say, Pastor Leo, this city is so hard. There's overfilled of demons and the ground is so hard. I say, I don't care if the ground is hard. If the ground is hard, God's signs and miracles are even harder. If the darkness is so dark, it needs only a small tiny light and boom, you will make a difference. I want to say to you, it doesn't matter which generation you live, God's power, God's redeeming power, God's restoration power, bringing back power is stronger than every circumstance. We will go into a winning, soul-winning season as a church. This is what I believe from the bottom of my heart. Now comes the question, how? How will we do that? Three points. Point number one, use the natural relationships. In Mark chapter 5, verse 19, a leper guy get healed from Jesus. And when he, when he was healed, he asked the question, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to stick with you. I want to stick with all the disciples. And Jesus said to him in verse 19, Jesus did not let him, but says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has the mercy on you. Why is Jesus saying, no, you cannot follow me right now. Go back home. Here the word home in Greek means oikos. The word oikos means your surroundings. Go back to your surroundings. Go back to your family, hobby, friends, neighbors, work, school, church. Go back and tell them what I have done for you. Because maybe you're the only Bible in your surrounding people will ever read. Maybe you're the only Christians where people ever have the chance to ask you a question about God and eternity. If you stick with Jesus, your surrounding will, will be, be lost. He sent him, go back and tell them about Christ. This has not happened once in the Bible. There's plenty stories of the word oikos. 
And we have created, created a cartoon clip to show you, present you how many times Jesus sent people back to their surroundings, to their oikos, to preach and deliver the word of God to those people that have no clue about the kingdom of God. Let's see the oikos teaching of Jesus. Die Bibel betont die zentrale Bedeutung des eigenen Umfeldes. Sie hat dafür einen Begriff, Oikos. Oikos ist das griechische Wort für Haus und meint damit das gesamte soziale Umfeld eines Menschen. Also die Leute um einen herum, die man mag oder mögen müsste. Werfen wir dazu einen Blick in die Bibel. Da ist der kleine Mann auf dem Baum, Zachäus. Nach seiner Bekehrung betont Jesus die besondere Bedeutung seines Eukos. Man fragt sich, wie das wohl aussah. Zöllner, Sünder, Wegelagerer, zzzzze. Aber Jesus wendet sich an Zachäus und sagt, heute ist ein großer Tag für dich und deine Familie, dein Eukos. Denn Gott hat euch heute als seine Kinder angenommen. Als Andreas sich für Jesus entschied, hört er davon sofort sein Eukos. Er trifft seinen Bruder Simon und anstatt ihm mal eine auf die Zwölf zu geben, was Brüder ja so machen, berichtete er ihm, wir haben Christus gefunden, den von Gott versprochenen Retter. Klingt komisch, war aber so. Da gibt es auch noch einen Zöllner Levi. Als er wusste, dass Jesus ihn besuchen würde, überraschte er diesen mit einer riesen Hangout-Supersause. Alle seine Kollegen, Freunde waren bei ihm versammelt. Und das Lustige? Gerade auch die Menschen mit schlechtem Ruf. Denn diese waren sein Eukos, die von Jesus hören sollten. Zum Abschied schenkte Levi ihnen dann noch eine Jeans. Ach nee, das äh, war, glaub etwas anderes. Das natürliche Umfeld der Menschen in der Bibel hat es immer erfahren, wenn Jesus in ihr Leben trat. Und seien wir mal ehrlich. Über Jesus mit Freunden und Familie zu reden, ist schon netter, als darüber zu diskutieren, wer den Abwasch macht. I grew up in a small town near uh, Lucerne. Um, Moni, my cousin, was born just one month after I was born. So we spent a lot of time together. We actually grew up together. Since I was a child, I went to church with my parents and then later um, to the youth ministry. And of course, I wanted Moni to be there as well. So we had huge dis discussions with her parents until they said yes. Uh, Moni liked it a lot to come to youth ministry with me. Um, so I invited her to this huge youth conference over New Year's. One of the main reasons why I love going to youth was because I could get to hang out with really cool people. The program was nice, but I didn't really understand much of it. So a few months after that, we went to this um, youth conference. It was the first time that someone explained to me who Jesus was and what he has done for me. At this conference, I gave my life to Christ. Since then, I went to church every Sunday on a regular basis when my parents allowed me to. I loved 
um, this new faith and this new door that opened up for me. And all I wanted was to spend all my life following Jesus. And of course, I wanted my parents to experience the same, but they weren't interested in it at all. Even my three siblings didn't like, uh, didn't like it when I talked about Jesus too much. But about three years ago, I started volunteering at 180. And I asked my little brother, hey, do you want to come to our winter camp? And his first response was, no, I don't. I needed time to think about it if I wanted to go to the camp or not. At the time, I had almost no friends at school. So I went to the camp to find new friends. But I had no idea that this was a Christian camp. <laughs> On the first day, I met some new people, so at least I found new friends. I didn't like the celebrations in the evening because I don't like to sing and to pray. <clears throat> but what fascinated me was the technology and the cameras. So I asked one of the leaders if I could help them during the celebration, which I liked very much. At first, what inspired me at 180 was that I could be part of the video team. About six months later, I gave my life to Christ. Then I started to pray and read the Bible. Today I come to 180 even if I'm just a regular visitor. <clears throat> At the One Youth Beach Camp last year, I was baptized by my leaders. This was one of the best nights of my life. I'm so thankful that Moni invited me to the winter camp so that I could get to know Jesus. Come on. What I love about the story is you prayed for your cousin, she got saved, you prayed for your family, they said no, you just prayed, you keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep inviting, and now your own brother got saved. And this is what happened, it's like a multiplication. If you start praying for a person, you lead a person to Christ, it's only a matter of time that the multiplication takes place. And this is like an example for us as a church. We have hundreds of those kinds of stories in our church. The people prayed for somebody, they got saved. They prayed for another person, got saved. And all of a sudden, a reaction of multiplication takes place. Let's give these three awesome, handsome people an amazing applause. Thank you so much for everything. Well done. I love it. I just want to ask you the question about... Jesus sent the people always, usually always after they were healed, got healed, back to their oikos, back to their surroundings. And you just can make this picture, you can just write down your name, you in the needle, what's your name? And you're living surrounded by family members, maybe they're, they're not believers yet. Maybe you're surrounded in your hobbies, maybe soccer teams or whatever, people, they not, they're not attending any church, they're not believing God. You have some friends, they're not believing yet in Christ. You have some neighbors around you, they're not even thinking about going to church. You're working on a workplace, you're going to school, whatever. There are hundreds of people, they don't know Christ yet. Even in a church, in their sides of ICF Zurich, there are a lot of people that are attending ICF because they must come, because the wife says, you have to come with me. They're sitting here week by week, but they don't know Jesus Christ. And my question is, 
What is your surrounding? This is your oikos. And a lot of people, they want to change the world. The world, changing the world is a big word. Changing the world, this is your world. For those people, you're the salt and the light of this earth. For those people, you may be the only Bible. For those people, maybe you're the only Christians who can present the kingdom of God in a very, very simple way. This is always saying, God speaks to you, saying, go back to you, oikos. And the oikos is always simple, attached to people. You know them already. That's the point number one. The point number two is pray intensely, intensively for your relationships. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, Paul is mentioning an amazing, deep, profound Bible verse. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. Pray that God will open a door in your oikos. That God may open a door in your oikos. You can go and preach the word of God to those people. When you pray to Jesus, you need one important attitude. Let's pause for a moment. Just reflect for a moment your own prayer life. When you're reflecting your own prayer life, if I'm reflecting my own prayer life, I would say probably 90% of my prayer life are starting with praising God, how good God is, say hello God, good morning God, good afternoon God, good night God. I praise God for who He is, right? But the 90% of all the prayer requests is, God, I need a new dog. God, I need a bike. God, help me by the job. God, I have some problems. God, I have some worries. God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. But let's be honest. Let's start to spend 10% of your prayer time just asking God, praying for people, that God will bring them back to the heart of God. Just 10%. Every day, just pray for 10% for people that don't know Jesus Christ because you're sitting here right now. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody has invited you. Somebody has not given up and you said no for the first time. They were, they were sticked on you. They prayed for you. They believed for you. They were stopped born and invited you to the kingdom of God. Just use 10% of your prayer life just praying for those people that don't know Jesus Christ yet. And the second thing is, is your faith attitude. I want to tell you a story to explain that in a very, very simple way. Spurgeon, we say actually Spurgeon was one of the most profound preacher of, the, of, of their time. And he had a very good friend, and the, the friend, he preached the fire, he was exciting, he preached a very good dynamic word of God for many, many years. And one day the best friend came to Spurgeon and said, Spurgeon, I have a problem. I preaching my long out, I preaching fire from heaven, but nobody's ever got saved to my preaching. What's wrong with me? Is my theology wrong? Or is my logic wrong? Or is my clothes wrong? What's wrong with me? Spurgeon asked one simple, profound question. I want to ask you the same question. When you preach the word of God, do you believe that people got saved? The friend said, oh, well. Some Sundays, when the message was really good, of course. But sometimes my message is, ah, I don't know, so la la. Then it's hard for me to believe. He said, it depends. 
Sometimes when I ask people, do you believe that people got saved? They say, oh, it depends. If I have to change, the chance to explain everything properly, deep, theologically correct to my best friends, then I believe people got saved. But sometimes people ask me a question and my answer are so surface, not deep really, then of course people will not believe in Jesus. You know, you depend always about how good you're explaining things to people. But in the end, it's always the heart attitude. If you believe deep down in your heart that through your life, people got saved, it will be happen. Because the Bible says it will happen according your faith. Do you have the faith that people got saved? Do you believe that at least some people are open right now for the kingdom of God? Or are you saying, oh, all the people around me, they're stubborn, they're hard, they're worldly, they're demonized, there's no flipping chance. If you believe this, then look at your fruits. You have no fruits. Two amazing guys from the church history, I like churches, the John Hyde, we say he was the um, a prayer guy. He led every day 10 people to the Lord. He said, God, I will not go to sleep unless I led 10 people to Christ. He believed that. He used every opportunity to speak about Jesus. And the doctor said, if you're living this lifestyle of leading 10 people to Christ, you will die early. He said, I don't care, doctor. And he died early. But at least every day, he led 10 people to Christ. Even Roberts, an amazing evangelist. And this was awesome. He had the ministry in the UK, in Wales. And he said, I felt the burning desire in me to go to Wales and tell of Jesus. And if this had not been possible, I would have gladly paid. Here's the word, paid God for that. Would you do the same thing? <laughs> Always when I'm speaking about winning people for Christ, the church is so flipping quiet. If you speak about God loves you, grace, people jumping from their seats. Something is wrong because somebody prayed for us. Somebody explained to us Jesus Christ and you're sitting here and it's so hard for us speaking about Christ, inviting people for the kingdom of God and let's have the attitude at least that in one year in your surrounding in your environment, at least one person will, uh, will lead to Jesus Christ. I believe in this list, at least one person is wide, wide open to receive Jesus Christ. And sometimes we are so focused in what we're doing, we are so busy about everything, and we're losing just opportunity of an open door, walk through, step through, and lead these people to Christ. Point number three. Maintain friendship in your surroundings. Mark chapter 2, verse 15, I like this Bible verse. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. Jesus was surrounded with people, sin people. 
people far away from the kingdom of God. The language was not good. The smoking was not good. The drinking was not good. If you're surrounding always with holy, cleaning people 24 hours, something is wrong with your lifestyle too. We're living not in the world, but we are in the world to present the kingdom of God to those people. There are two moments where those people are really open for the kingdom of God. And I've written down two moments. First, in attention phase. If a person has attention phase, people are really open for the kingdom of God. Or when there's a tense, a tense situation. Or for example, if a person, the mother dies, the father dies, or you break up a relationship, or you're losing your job, or you're moving in another town, uh, just when people losing something or changing certain things, they are wide open for God. And if you have people in your surroundings, they have a tense situation, a changing moment in their life, you can ask a very profound and simple question. What can I do for you? Is there anything what I can do for you? Or can I pray for you that God surrounds you and blesses you? Is there something what I can do for you? And the response of the people is always, yes, please pray for me. Please, please pray for me. Please don't forget me. I need a miracle. I need a miracle in my health. I need a miracle in my finances. I need a miracle in my house. Please just pray for me. In those two tense situations, have an open mindset and an open heart and be there as the outstretched arms and feet and mouth and eyes from God Almighty. I love to break down a message in a very, very simple way. And I've written down a lot of things where God has given you a natural, I say an organic way to leading people to Christ, an organic way. If I will ask you right now, let's go to the, to the street of Zurich, on a Saturday afternoon, and you preach about Jesus on the street, a lot of people say, ah, that's not my style. I have no clue what to say, and I don't know clue how people will react. That's not your style. But if this is not your style, what else is your style? What else is your style? I go through some styles. For example, on a golf course. I play in golf once a week. On a golf course, there are three people in my flight. Usually, those three people, they're not believers. This is my church. This is my surrounding. And every week when I play golf, I ask God, God, please give me the right people on my flight. Fill up the flight with those people whom I can preach about Jesus. This is my preaching style because I play in organic golf. And when you're playing golf for four hours, you have plenty time to ask one million questions. And just use the time, use style. It's maybe by Zumba. It's maybe going out after you work for a drink of coffee or tea or water. You have time to speak with Jesus, people about Jesus. Another thing is about coffee. Coffee. There was a woman in our church and I asked, said to her, is there anything what you can do good? She said, oh, I have no clue how to win people for Christ. I said, but is there anything you are really good at? She said, yes, I'm a very strong coffee drinker. And I said to her, have you ever thought about 
inviting your neighbors for a coffee? He said, no. He said, just do it. There will, not, there will be not one neighbor. If you invite her to a coffee, she will say no. Because ladies, they love to drink coffees or tea or water. She invited her. And then she said to her, I have a question. Every Sunday morning you're driving with your car, early in the morning, every Sunday morning, where do you go? She says, I'm going to a church. Oh, you're going to a church? You believer? The strong coffee drinker said, yes, of course. And she started explaining cheese to her to the following weeks. And after three months, the neighbor got saved to a coffee. If you're not good in preaching cheese on the street, what else? Is this playing golf? Or inviting people to a coffee or tea or latte macchiato after work? Or maybe if you're riding a Harley. Harley is like a family. You can ask people, if you're missing a curve, if you're Harley and you're dying, do you know where you go? Because a lot of people dying with bikes. Ask the question, it's a profound question. Another woman, I met her in Germany about two years ago. And said, Pastor Leo, I've never led anybody to Christ. When people speak about winning people, I felt so much pressure. I said, pressure is not always negative. You're born with pressure. Your mother pressed you out, pressure. That's why you're here. She said, yeah, but I have no clue how. I said, is there anything what you can do good? I said, yeah, we have a company. We have about almost 1,000 employees in our company. We are so rich, we have so much money, but with money you cannot lead people to Christ. You cannot buy people to follow Jesus. It's slavery. I said, hey, do you have anything? She said, yes. We have a huge villa, not house, villa. Huge villa. I asked her, have you ever opened your house for your neighbors? No. I said, look, that's the thing. All your neighbors, they're looking at your house. They're steering at your villa. But they want to know, how is it inside of the villa? Invite all your friends for a villa party. And she invited all the neighbors to the villa party. And everybody showed up. Everybody. And after two hours, she said, hey, guys, neighbors, in one week, I'm starting a um, Knowing God course with Pastor Leo from Zurich. Just a video message. If you want to know God, just come. Next week, 15 people showed up. They were hungry about the question, is there a God? She never led anybody to Christ in all her life. She just opened the villa. And after the third teaching course of my course, about six or seven people got saved immediately. I met her some months ago saying, Pastor Leo, I have a small group in my house. Nearly 20 people, all people got saved in my company, in my neighborhood. And only because I opened my villa. If you have a villa, use your villa. If you're a coffee drinker, drink the coffee. Maybe you're going to a dog school. Then say to them, my dog is a Christian dog. <laughs> Invite people to the musical of Isaac of Zurich. 
inviting people to church. My boys, every Sunday, inviting their friends, school colleagues to the church. ICF television. There was a guy, I met him in the, on a worship tour last week, and he said to me, thank you, Pastor, you led me to Christ. I said, how, when, you're from Germany? He said, to your TV ministry. I said, how? He said, my best friend is watching you every Saturday on Anixe, German TV station. And he said to me, hey, if you want to know God, just click into Anixe on your TV and watch Pastor Leo. And he was at home, had a boring weekend, and he watched me for the very first time in Nixon. He was somehow attached with me. He was touched from the Lord, and after some weeks, he got saved. You know, a guy just connected him with the TV. So simple. You can invite people to an ISIF camp. You can invite people to a ladies' lounge conference. If you're baking something for Christmas, invite your neighbors to bake with you. Because together it's more fun. To a football tournament, I can go on and on and on and on and on. I want to ask you the question. What is organic? What is so easy in your life where you have a relationship with people that are outside from the kingdom of God? And I want to close this series about the parable of the wine. God spoke to me and said, Leo, it's time for the celebration. That we are not only a come and see culture, we are also a go and tell your surrounding, your environment about Jesus Christ. This is your world, oikos. God will ever ask you one day in heaven, what have you done with your oikos? Have you been an example to salt and light for them? Or were you shine? quiet, worried about your own stuff, and you forgot to lead people to Christ. There's one thing in the parable of the wine. If you are remain in Christ, it's impossible that we will not bear fruit, and it's impossible not speaking about Jesus to a lot of people. I want to close with the Bible verse in John chapter 15, verse 4. The Bible says, remain in me, as also I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the wine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Let's remain in Christ. Let's have the faith as an international community that in the next 12 months, at least one person in our surrounding got saved. It's a hard faith attitude. Let's position ourselves with this attitude. Yes, God, open doors that I can walk through and lead people to Jesus Christ. When we're moving in our new building, I said to myself, the building will be awesome. We will have a lot of new opportunity, but it's just the building. I do not believe in buildings. I believe still in the presence of God that wherever we are, that God will turn and change people in a in a profound way. I want to give you the opportunities in the back of our building before you're walking out. Maybe you have some names, family names, friends names, neighbor names. You would love that in that new building, they will got saved. And we will have a wall in the new building, a wall with all the names 
of family members, of friends, of, of neighbors, just a wall with names, thousands of names. Those people are not saved yet. But those people are on the wall, whenever you enter the new building, you don't see the Samsung name. You will see these names. You say, God, I came to church and I still pray and ask you that my mother, my father, my brother, my relatives, my neighbors will be God saved. And if you have some names after the celebrations, you could go to the back, you write them the names in an iPad, and we'll take these names and we will name, put these names on the wall from all the celebrations we have. And I believe this is a prophetic sign for us as a church. We are a soul-winning church. We want to lead people to Jesus Christ. This is one of the DNA that God Almighty has put in our DNA as a church. I want to right now ask God in a prayer that the Holy Spirit will show you a name. A name on this list for at least one person who is so open for God. And I believe right now, there are people in your life, they are ready. I don't want to be too busy and not see them. Let's close our eyes for a moment and let's ask God for this new season as an international church. And Father God, I'm so thankful for all those people that have prayed for me. All those people that have explained me salvation. And I'm sitting here because some people pray the, pray the price. And I'm thankful for that. My heart is overwhelmed by that fact that people believed. They're stubborn in a positive way. They haven't given up on me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the oikos, for my surrounding you put me in. And you have chosen me to live in that oikos. It's no coincidence. It's a calling from God. Holy Spirit, is there anybody around me who is open to receive Christ? Is there a name, a person, or an open door who I haven't seen yet? Let's be quiet for a moment and just give the Holy Spirit enough room to show at least one person or one open door. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Without you, I'm not able to lead people to Christ. Without you, Holy Spirit, I cannot explain people's salvation. It's always your job. Open my friends' eyes that all of a sudden they are understand. I am lost. I need Christ. That's a miracle. Holy Spirit, enlighten me a fire again. A burning heart to be a messenger, the light of the world for my surrounding. For all those who are tired, you are 
backslidden, you're not on fire, ask right now the Holy Spirit to lighten in you a fire, to lighten you a dream and a passion to be the best messenger for the kingdom of God. We're not living for our own dreams and desires. We're living for the kingdom of God. Put God first and the rest will add it to you and me. And I want to ask you right now, the so whole congregation, whole church, when we sing praise songs to Jesus, ask Jesus right now, baptize me, me fire with the Spirit of God, enlighten me and you heart to win people to Jesus Christ. Use me, send me, guide me, lead me. Let's have this attitude right now. Pour out your heart to God. Cry out to Him, the one who is my Savior, the one who forgives me, the one who is my best friend. There is no other name than the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other name. Send me Christ. Use me Christ. Open doors, Jesus Christ. Let's sing to Jesus Christ with a heart of attitude. Use me. Use me. Use me, God. <laughs> 